Thanks for listening to The Awakening Podcast. We hope this message inspires and encourages you today. We're going to begin a series today on the subject of wisdom. Tell your neighbor, this is for you. Say, no, no offense, but you need some wisdom. I'm looking right at you. I know you. Wisdom. You know, kind of the, the, the tagline for this is, for when you know God, but you don't know what to do. Reality is you can know God and still not quite know what to do. And thankfully, his word contains wisdom. And we're going to open it up and we're going to delve deep into it over the coming weeks and see what God will say on how to think and how to live. We're going to begin in the book of Proverbs which is the wisdom literature found in the Bible, written by a wise king. Proverbs chapter 1, if you want to turn with me there, Proverbs chapter 1, we're going to read a couple verses together. In verse 20, it says this about wisdom. It says, wisdom cries aloud in the street. In the markets, she raises her voice. At the head of the noisy streets, she cries out. And at the entrance of the city gates, she speaks. And the question That wisdom cries out is this, how long, O simple ones, will you love being simple? How long will scoffers delight in their scoffing and fools hate knowledge? But listen to this. Here's the promise. But if you turn at my reproof, behold, I will pour out my spirit to you and I will make my words known to you. Who's ready for the word of God? Come on, let's pray. Holy Spirit, right now we invite you to come. Speak to us as your people from your word. We are willing, open, and receptive, and we desire to hear from you, Lord. And God, I thank you that every week your people come together. They hear your word. They receive encouragement and challenge and uh, and worship. Every week you're faithful, God, to meet us right where we're at. And so I thank you, God. For all those that came out today, and I pray, may we not leave the same way we came, but may we leave with something from you. In Jesus' name, come on, everyone said, amen, amen, amen. Our story begins with the story of a young man named Solomon. The the wisdom literature rests on this man, but it really begins when he had become king in the book of 1 Kings chapter 3. Solomon was the son of King David. King David was a great king. He was a warrior. He was a worshiper. He was a priest. And he's passing over a unified and strong kingdom to his son Solomon. Solomon is a young man. He doesn't really quite know what to do. The shadow of David is long and the, the, the shoes that he has to fill are quite large. And so he's doing his best, but he's young, he's inexperienced. So what he chooses to do is go before God and present an offering. God sees that offering and comes to Solomon in a dream and says to him, Solomon, what is it that you would ask of me? Anything that you want, I'm going to give it to you. This is the moment where he asks for a million more wishes, you know. (laughs) And Solomon has a really interesting answer. And it's really from this moment that sets up his character arc through the following books. And 
catapults him to being a great, great leader. His, his answer to God is this. He says, Lord, you know who my father was. He was a great man. You knew him and he knew you. He says, I, I'm having to fill his shoes. But he says, God, I really don't know what to do. I'm thankful. This is amazing. He says that you've chosen me out of all the people that you could have chosen. You could have chosen any of David's son, anyone in Israel, but you chose me. He says, but God, I need help to figure out right from wrong. Will you give me a discerning mind so that I can judge righteously for your people and become a mighty king? I want you to know right there, this is the model on how to pray. You let God know exactly where you're at. You let him know your failures, your insufficiencies. You thank him for choosing you. And then you can say, but God, here's what I need. And Solomon asks for wisdom. This, I would almost say, surprises God. Certainly pleases God. And God says, because you asked for wisdom, I'm going to answer your prayer. I'm going to give it to you. God says, it's, it's good that you ask for wisdom instead of asking for riches or a long life or vengeance over your enemies. All the things we would be tempted, <laughs> we'd be tempted to pray. Because you didn't ask for any of those things and instead you asked for wisdom that would benefit others before yourself, not only, God says, am I going to give you wisdom, but I'm actually going to give you wealth as well. And I'm going to raise your capital so much so that there will never be like a king, there has never been a king like you before you, and there will never be a king like you afterwards. I'm going to make you unique and set you apart. And then he adds on top of that, and he says, if you keep my commands, I will give you long life as well. I want you to, I want you to catch this. Because he asked for wisdom, all of the rest of God's blessings followed. Here's the truth. If you seek wisdom, you will attain God's blessings. But if you, if you despise wisdom, you'll only reap destruction. This is the truth that I want to communicate to you today. If you will attain wisdom, you'll acquire blessings. This matters because so many in our society, and, and honestly even for ourselves, our instinct is to go for blessings and get there as quickly as you can. And many times you have to give up wisdom in that get-rich-quick type approach. But there's a better way to live. And Solomon's showing it. He's saying, he's saying if you will pray to God, ask for God for wisdom, wealth will follow, influence will follow, Leadership will follow. Long life will follow. But you got to go for wisdom. And then you'll acquire blessings. Well, what is wisdom? Spurgeon says this. He says, wisdom is the right use of knowledge. It's, just, it's not just knowing. It's more than that. Intellect is what you know in life. Wisdom is knowing how to live your life. The problem we have right now is that we live in a generation amongst people with extensive knowledge and very little wisdom. We have infinite information and very little application. And if you're not careful, that way of living, because you're surrounded by it, and everyone around you is living in such a way, that way of living can get on you. There's a better way to live. 
and it's the way of wisdom. I want you to hear me. You can have degrees. You can have success materially. You can be wealthy and still be unwise. The goal of every Christian should be to live a wise life. And I want to be very clear on this. Other than salvation, I think one of the primary distinctions of a Christian is that we have godly wisdom. I think it's one of the primary things that sets us apart from the world. We have salvation, but then we live a different way. I was recently driving through a city, and it really just struck me how desolate the place was and the way people were having to live. And you saw these good people, and I just kept thinking... People shouldn't have to live in conditions like these, boarded up windows, glass everywhere, extreme addiction. And, and you saw these people struggling, truly struggling to survive. And I was thinking, God, how does it get like this? What happens to bring us into this place? And how do we get out of living in this place? What can people do? I was just praying. As I was driving through, I saw in the middle of the city, a stunning church, huge, ancient, old, beautiful. And I like to photograph churches and, and church exteriors. And uh, so I, I jumped out. I was taking some photographs. And someone that I thought was the caretaker came out, checking the, checking the doors and everything, come to find out he's the priest that runs the church. So we, we struck up a conversation, and I was asking him how things are going. You know, I'm interested, you know. So how is Easter and you know, how'd you guys survive through the pandemic? And interestingly, he was very negative towards, you know, everything. You know, the church isn't doing that good. The, the youth, they, they're just consumed with their phones. It's like, I'm with you there. And, and it was just really negative, you know. And in the course of our conversation, he discovered that I was also a priest. They call me Father Jordan. And uh, when, he, when he discovered that, I thought, hey, maybe this will bring some faith into the conversation. Right. It did not. <laughs> now the complaints turn to religious things and, you know, divisions in the church. And he's telling me about how the old pope it doesn't get along with the new pope. You know, and it's like, I'm not a fan of any of your popes. <laughs> you know? I'm Protestant, you know. And churches and disagreement and... <clears throat> political divisions, but the thing that he was really angry about was preachers that preach about the moral code of God. He said, you know, he said, we should preach and speak so that people can become happy. You know, he says, people are already condemned, but we shouldn't say anything that doesn't make people happy. And it's like, I don't think you're happy, though. He so said, we shouldn't, we shouldn't talk about moral things, you know, life and, and liberty and marriage and, you know, and, and right and wrong. He said, leave it up to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will say, you know, he'll, he'll tell them what they need to hear, however they need to hear it, whenever they need to hear it. And, and, and you know, we, we're in this moment where it's like, you know, I think I, I, I so love grace. And I agree that we need grace, but we need grace because of truth transgressed. There's got to be truth. And, and in the midst of this conversation, 
I felt like I got a revelation. Here's the shepherd of this city standing in the midst of unhappiness and brokenness. And he refuses to preach the truth. He refuses to say right from wrong. Like a mute dog, he won't bark. The shepherd will not lead the sheep. So then how can there ever be elevation in our thinking? How can there ever be wisdom that's dispensed? Thank God that he sent men who were courageous that told us how to live. Moses told us how to live. Jesus, he told us how to live. We don't need to theorize on how to preach. Jesus preached and we have the sermon. It's the Sermon on the Mount. And if you look at it, it's extremely practical. Jesus talks about marriage. Jesus talks about anger. Jesus talks about money. Jesus talks about anxiety. Jesus talks about adultery. Jesus talks about divorce. Jesus talks about religion. I mean, go, go read it. It's right there. No, no, Jesus taught us right from wrong. He taught us how to live a godly and moral life. And when we fail and fall short, because we're human and we will, thank God he gave grace to realign us back with truth. I believe the church should be the place that no matter what the societal winds, however they're shifting, the church should be the place that teaches right from wrong, teaches truth even when it's unpopular, and dispenses wisdom so that all might be elevated. From the church should flow wisdom into the homes, should flow into our marriages, our families. It should have an effect on how we speak, how we dress, how we look, how we live, what our decisions are. But there has to be shepherds that will tell the truth. Thank God one of the wisest men who ever lived, a great king, wrote down a whole book on wisdom. Thank God he left us with a way in which to, to, to live because wisdom is is simply how to live well. And Solomon, this great king, not only received wisdom for himself, he wrote it down for you and me. The wisest man to ever live, receiving godly wisdom, wrote a book called Proverbs and wrote the wisdom literature to teach you and I how to live well. And he starts with God. In Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7, he tells us that the fear of the Lord, that's the beginning of knowledge. But fools, they despise wisdom. And they despise instruction. And it, right off the bat, Solomon is having us choose. Which camp will we be in? The wise or the fools? And the way we choose is what are we going to believe? Who are we going to believe? Because the beginning of wisdom is not self. It's not information. It's not education. All good things. The beginning of wisdom is God. It's the fear of the Lord. And fear here isn't afraid. Fear is respect, reverence, and awe. That you give God his due. That you give God his due. And I, I certainly know I, this has been lacking for a long time. The sacredness of the truth of God. If you went to the Grand Canyon and you stood on the edge, you wouldn't do handstands and fool around. You'd have a level of respect and awe. That one misstep is the end. 
God is so much greater than all of that. And the fear of the Lord, the fear of transgressing against him should be serious in our way of thinking. And then Solomon says, that's where you start. That's the beginning of knowledge. That's the beginning of wisdom. You have to choose. Do you want to live like that or do you want to live foolishly? Despising wisdom, being a mocker, being a scoffer, you have to choose. You know, the, 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 the question on everyone's mind is what has happened to the, to the collective mind of society. Society seems to have lost its mind. I would propose to you that one of the things that happened, we have lost our collective mind because we've lost our collective faith. We've lost our collective belief. We've lost our collective fear of God. Fear of God brings wisdom. Fear of God brings direction. Foolishness says, I, I reject God. I'm on my own. The fear of the Lord brings you somewhere, but fools despise and they get nowhere. No fear, no wisdom. Solomon lays it all out, saying you're going to need God in order to navigate through life. And you know, right now, in our society that is very, very unsure, upside down and shaky, can I tell you that there is a stability that you can have in your life because there is a way to live that transcends circumstance transcends the opinions of everyone else, transcends leadership, transcends the economy, transcends anything that's going on, and it is the wisdom that comes from above that can set your feet solidly, that you live in a different kingdom. You can live differently, even in uncertain times. God will give you wisdom to cut through the cobwebs of confusion. Like a sword, it will slice through. God will give you a compass to navigate through difficult and unsure treacherous conditions. God will give you wisdom that you might live well. Amen. Solomon goes on and he shows us how wisdom works. He says, wisdom has a call. Wisdom cries aloud in the streets, in the markets. She raises her voice at the entrance of the city gates. She speaks. It's very interesting that he personifies wisdom in this moment as a woman. Uh, it's Mother's Day. It's very appropriate. Much of the wisdom you're going to get in life, you're going to get from your mom. As we get older, I, I find myself and hear my wife saying, you know, my mom always said, or my mom told me this, and, and God will give you wisdom through your parent. Listen, even if they're unsaved, it is a, it is a, um, it is a way that God has set this thing up. That, that he'll give them wisdom to dispense to you if you'll be open. And, and so here Solomon most likely gained much of his wisdom from his mother, personifies wisdom as a woman crying out in the, in the city streets. In fact, she's crying out in multiple sectors of society. She starts aloud in the street. That's with the people. But then she moves into the markets. That's the economy. And then she's at the entrance of the city gates. That's where the leaders began to live. I want you to know, no matter what, category, industry, or career you find yourself in, God has wisdom for you, specifically even in that area. God can teach you the right way to live on multiple planes of existence. And that's what we're going to do even over the next few weeks is look at wisdom in different areas. But I want you to know, wisdom isn't just for the little tiny area of your life on Sunday morning. Solomon's sending wisdom out everywhere. And, and wisdom isn't shy and, and silent and quiet. Wisdom shouting. Wisdom wants your attention. Look at it. It's searching you out. 
It's coming after you. Wisdom searching for an audience. So amazing. Wisdom being so valuable and yet ignored by so many. It's searching for an audience. It's looking for someone to, to just listen, to take heed. Shakespeare says this. Shakespeare says, wisdom cries out in the street and no man regards it. It's this powerful force that's widely available. And yet, so many times, it's ignored. It's not applied. It's not integrated into our lives. Solomon tells us that wisdom in Proverbs chapter 8, wisdom is more precious than rubies. And nothing you desire can compare with her. Wisdom is valuable. Now, this is interesting, because usually valuable things are difficult to find and difficult to acquire, right? If you want to get gold, if you want to get rubies, you want to get diamonds, it's not going to be easy, because they're rare. They're, they're difficult to find. I was uh, spending this past weekend with, uh, with my father-in-law. They live in upstate New York, and we went and we visited, and, um, and he was preaching to me the gospel of Bitcoin. And he's always been like really early adopter, tech savvy, and he's telling me how it all works. And it's like, I don't get it. I, I got to tell you, I don't get it. I want to get it. I pretend I get it, but I don't get it. I want to believe. Lord, help my own belief. I just don't get it, you know. But I, I'm like, hey, I'll, I, I believe you. I bought $25 worth of Bitcoin. The market crashed. That minute it's gone red for a week. I just want to apologize to all of you and the, the world at large. I think I'm the cause of the crash. <laughs> but he was telling me how he's, you know, he's getting into it and he's trying to figure it out. And he bought some mining equipment uh, to mine Bitcoin. And it's this computer so powerful that he says in the middle of the winter in upstate New York is so powerful that it heats. It generates enough heat to heat his home. And it's like negative 20 degrees in upstate New York. This thing's humming like an alien spacecraft in the basement, you know. And he told me, it's like, you know, he's trying to figure out how to water cool it. He's becoming like a, a NASA scientist to mine Bitcoin, you know. And then he's like, and then after all that, I got like $10 worth of Bitcoin. And he's like, I, you know, I gave up. And it's like, yeah, that makes sense. It's valuable. So it's difficult to acquire. It's complicated. I want you to know wisdom is more valuable than Bitcoin. Wisdom is more, more valuable than gold. More precious than diamonds and rubies. It's valuable and yet widely available. It's right there for the taking. You don't even have to search wisdom out. It's searching you out. It's knocking on the door. Every Sunday it's coming through the speaker. It's, it's, it's being released through worship. It's encountering you through the word of God. Wisdom is coming after you. The question is, will you give your ear to it? Will you allow wisdom to come into your life? And will you apply it? I think sometimes we so often lack wisdom, not because it's not available, but simply because it's available but ignored and not applied. The good news is every Sunday, every Monday, every Tuesday, God will be faithful to send wisdom shouting after you. And if you will do the rare thing of listening, submitting, and applying, your life will begin to change. The conflict we have is so many times that's not what we do. And, and Solomon knows this. 
And he says, wisdom shouting out. And here's what it's shouting. It says, oh, uh, how long, oh, simple ones, will you love being simple? Goes on to say, how, much, how, much will you dis- how long will you despise learning and, and, and mock and scoff at knowledge? How long, oh, simple ones, will you love being simple? The reality is, this is true. The reality is, many times we really do like not knowing. It's really easy to not know. I know I'm not going to get a lot of amens in this portion of the sermon. No, it doesn't count anymore if you say amen. We really like not knowing because truth makes us responsible. When you encounter truth, it makes you responsible to do something with it or from it. And so the path of least resistance is always to not know, to choose comfort, choose pleasure, find the easy way out, the, the easy way to acquire with minimum, minimum um, effort. You know, just, just stay simple. And, 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 and Solomon is having wisdom ask us, are you done living like that yet? Because the reality is, the reality is, living, living simple in your mind, Living, living um, under how God created you to be. Avoiding difficult things. Avoiding discipline. Avoiding conflict is actually a much harder way to live. And it actually produces much less. Because I think sometimes we have, and look, everyone's conflict avoidant. I get it. Some much more than others. But everyone, no one likes conflict unless you're crazy. Everyone's conflict avoidant, but I want you to know there are some things that you have to conflict with. You have to face down areas of your own life, areas of your own mind, areas in your, in your life. And if you, if you forever avoid conflict, I want you to know it doesn't get easier. Things don't just magically go away. If there are areas of your life where you are not engaging with wisdom, maybe you're backsliding. Maybe your faith is lessening. Maybe you're Habits are becoming destructive. Your emotions are controlling you. And you say, I just, I don't have the energy. I don't have the strength. I can't think about it. I can't talk about that. Maybe there's areas in your relationships that are red flags. A red flag pops up at the date and you think, I didn't see that. Because then I'd have to find someone else and I'd have to start the whole thing. And, you know, I didn't see that. And then God says, like, send another flag. You know, at the end, it's like, the, that, that, uh, it's like those at the beach, you know, those, uh, those planes that fly by with a giant message. God, send the plane. Send the planes through. God's faithful to let you know, here's an area where I don't want you to stay simple. I want you to mature. I want you to elevate. I want you to get more complex in your thinking. I want you to engage in this area. And, and, and wisdom demands something from you, demands action, demands engagement. Sometimes we think, no, no. What I'll do instead is I'll turn down my receptors. I'll become apathetic. I'll pretend that I don't see. I'll pretend that I don't hear. I don't know and I don't want to know. I mean, our society has even codified this by saying ignorance is bliss. We love being dumb. We love it. 
Come on, another round. We don't want to know. We don't want to do. We don't want to engage. Let's just keep things simple. The reality is then there's no growth. There's no change. There is no living like Christ would have you to live. There's no self-discipline. And eventually there's no health. There's no health. And our goal is to be healthy and holy. That's Christ's goal for us. We live in a generation that is willfully blind. And willful blindness is the intentional acceptance of ignorance. The desire and the temptation of humanity is to turn a blind eye. But hear me, wisdom is calling for you and saying, enough is enough. It's time for you to engage your body, your mind, your spirit. It's time for you to become more than even the world is around you because you are not like them. You're not simple in your thinking. You're strong in your faith. You're not unwise in your dealings. Easily swayed. Peer pressured. That's not you. Because you have the Holy Spirit within you. And the Holy Spirit loves truth. This is what the Apostle Paul was speaking about when he admonishes us. He says, brothers, do not be children in your thinking. One translation says, brothers, stop being childish in your thinking. Then he adds, be infants in evil. In other words, be innocent when it comes to evil. You you don't want to be well-versed in evil, well-educated. You don't want to be a genius when it comes to evil. Be infants in evil, but in your thinking, be mature. Be mature. One of the foremost, one of the foremost indicators of a spiritual person is a mature mind. Your spirit will begin to mature your mind. The Holy Spirit will begin to mature your mind. If you find areas of your life, areas of your mind that's still immature, you got to understand the Holy Spirit hasn't touched that area yet. You need to begin to open it up. As a pastor, when I encounter people that make consistently unwise decisions, the first thing I say to them is come to the altar because your spirit needs to be fed. Your spirit is connected to your mind. And Paul is saying, I do not want you, he's speaking to us as the church, to be childish in our thinking. It's time for us to be mature. Spiritual people have a mature mind. And this is what a mature mind looks like. I'm going to give you three little indicators, quick indicators of a mature mind. A mature mind has a controlled emotion, has defined logic, and is not peer pressured. This is a mature mind. That I am not controlled by my emotion, but my mind is strong enough to control my emotion, control what I say when I'm emotional, control what I do when I'm emotional. I'm able to control my emotion in areas of my life. I have defined logic. I'm not just open to anyone's opinion and I'm going to take that as my doctrine. Certainly not. The Bible will teach you how to think and how to think well. It will teach you how to be logical, strong in your thinking. The Holy Spirit will teach you how to not be peer pressured, constantly figuring out what you think based on what everyone thinks. Let me turn on the TV to figure out what I think today. Certainly not. The Holy Spirit will teach you how to think 
how to control your emotions, and how to lead. So the question I have for the church is over the next few weeks, are you ready to mature in your mind? Do you desire to gain wisdom in your life? And maybe you have a measure of wisdom. Can it be greater? Solomon prayed for wisdom. God gave it to him. You can pray for wisdom. God will give it to you. And I believe God will give you wisdom in the great things, but I believe God will give you wisdom in the small things as well. Because what is life but a series of small decisions that you make every single day? God wants to give you wisdom even in the small things. I want to get real clear with you. I hope that you and I get so good at integrating checking with God in our life that we check with him on little things. Just pause for a moment. Say, God, should I do this? Should I say that? Should I text that? Should I go there? Should I... Because I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit's interested. He'll let you know. He'll guide your life as a co-pilot way better than your emotions will as a co-pilot. Way better than your fears will as a co-pilot. Way better than your spouse will as a co-pilot. Uh-oh. Don't get into that. Let the Holy Spirit help guide you, lead you into you becoming a leader. Can you say Amen. And this is his promise, the promise of wisdom. As the woman cries out, how long, O simple ones? Well, you love being simple, but listen, here's the promise. But if you turn at my reproof, behold, I will pour out. I'll pour out my spirit. I'll make my words known to you. Listen, God promises right here. He promises to reprove. He'll let you know what's right and wrong. He'll bring it through preachers. He'll bring it through the word. He'll bring it into your spirit. God will let you know what's right. He'll, he'll, he'll reprove, but it's our responsibility to repent. And this is what repent means. Repent means this. It means to acknowledge failure and commit to change. That's what repentance is. I acknowledge where I fell short. Sin means missing the mark. I acknowledge where I didn't make it. I acknowledge where I made mistakes, where my flesh or my foolishness got the best of me but now I'm going to commit to change in that area of my life. That's what repentance looks like in action. And God says, if you will do that, here's what I'll do. I will pour out my spirit and I'll reveal my words to you. God has a reservoir of blessings for his people. They're held back and he's looking to see, can you handle more blessings? Wisdom is your ability to handle the blessings of God. For some of us, the very worst thing God could ever do is make us wealthy. Because we don't have enough wisdom. And it would end up blowing us away. So God says, hold it back. For some of us, some of the worst thing that God could do is give you, and this is going to be hard to hear, give you a relationship right now. Because you'll end up making that man or that woman your God. And so God says, because you're not mature enough yet, i got to wait. And i got to mature you. Because if I opened up the floodgates, you wouldn't, you wouldn't be ready. The reality is this. God says, but if you'll listen to me, if you'll be instructed by me, if you'll let me correct you, well, then I'll open up the floodgates. I'll let out the reservoir of my blessings. My spirit will come on you. I'll make my words known to you. And this is wisdom. Wisdom is the mixture of the spirit of God and the word of God. When those things get mixed, they produce wisdom. In your life, your decisions, your circumstances, when the word of God 
gets mixed with the Spirit of God and gets poured out on people that are willing, submitted, obedient, well, then wisdom can come. And I want you to know wisdom is better than IQ. Wisdom is better than EQ. Wisdom is better than being born in a wealthy or privileged family. Wisdom is better than luck. Wisdom is even better than a good work ethic. Wisdom is the greatest thing that you could have in your life to bring success in your life. And if you will attain wisdom, you'll acquire blessing. Thanks for listening to The Awakening Podcast. We hope this message has encouraged you. If you want to learn more about our church, visit us online at awakening.global. We'll see you soon.